You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? Seriously? No one? All right, I saw one hand kind of like, uh, no, okay. Really? Are you just like being shy because you don't want me to call you out or something? I'm not going to. I'm just really curious. So I have got, all right, I guess I'm done with my talk here today. So I, that was, uh, huh. Well, the whole sermon's about kind of, you know, assessing the year and looking for the new year. And so, well, no one does that. So we might as well pray and call it a day. We've, uh, Here's what I do know, though, even if you don't make New Year's resolutions, I think all of us at this time of year pause and just reflect. You know, it's a time to, it's the changing of a year is just one of those times where we, we, we just rethink things. We look back and assess. We look forward, whether if we plan to make any changes or not. Uh, it's just a time for us to do that. All right, little history trivia. When did we start celebrating January 1 as the new year? Anybody know that? It didn't always be that way. It didn't always be that way. It, didn't, it wasn't always that way. I'm all, I'm all off. You guys messed me up here. It wasn't always that way. Julius Caesar, in the year 47 BC, instituted January 1 as the beginning of the new year. So that's carried that way for centuries, Um, except that when you get into the medieval time period, like the first few hundred years, you know, 800 years, you know, after the death of Christ, within the church, they realize, wait a minute, that's a Roman thing, that's a pagan, we can't do it, we've, as Christians, we need a different new year. And so for many Christians, they said December 25th was our new year. So their calendar shifted, so December 25th was the new year. Others said, yeah, we don't do that. They made it March, uh, actually, was it March or, um, yeah, March 25th was the start of their new year. And so it, uh, it, was, it, was, it changed over the course of time. And then finally, in the 16th century, um, Pope Gregory said, all right, folks, we're all going to get on the same page here. We're going to put it back to January 1. January 1 is the start of the new year. And he did that for all of Christendom. Well, the problem was, is that, you know, that time, the 1600s, um, that was the time of the Reformation, where there was great opposition to the Catholic Church. So the fact that the Pope said this is what it's going to be, there was not consensus at all. And so did you realize that it wasn't until the 1700s that England and the U.S. colonies actually started celebrating New Year's on January one? Until then, we were still back on March 25th. And that recently, it's been the change. So now you can go home and wow all your friends and family members with this bit of history and trivia. Um, so regardless of how we got here to January 1, uh, and Tuesday is the start of a new year, um, it's just a natural time for all of us to take stock and look at things. For some of you, 2018 was a very good year. You got a new job, new relationships, you know, you attained a goal or a milestone. It was just a good year for you. For others, you can't wait to put 2018 in your rearview mirror. And you're hoping and praying for all your worth that 2019 is vastly better than 2018. 
So I think it's just human nature that we're, our hope is that in 2019, we're all going to be healthier, wealthier, and happier. And that's just kind of the way we, we, we're wired, and we look at things like that. Now, many things that will occur in your life next year will be a complete surprise. Some will be really good, and some maybe not so good. But this is going to come out of the blue. You didn't expect it. However, I do think that there's some things that we can do that I think can actually enhance God's blessing in our life. And we're going to take a look at some of that uh, this morning. Now, we're, as you probably gathered already, Kate's there's not a prop. Um, we're, uh, we're actually going to approach this, uh, she and I, together, kind of a tag team. And so we're each going to take a point and talk about it. And we've never done this before. And today we'll determine if we do this again. But uh, I'm, I'm really hopeful and encouraged uh, by able to do this and share this time with Kate um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for all of us to be able to do that. The verse we're going to look at, the passage, is from Psalm chapter 37. And starting with verse 3, we're reading through verse 9. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we have a chance to come together to, to celebrate our relationship, our, our pursuit of you, recognizing that you have first uh, pursued us. And Lord, as we, we worship together, we sense your presence. And Father, that somehow in all that we're touched and changed. And Lord, as we come to this time in the service where we have a chance to dig a little deeper into your word, I pray, Father, that the words would come alive to us. Father, I recognize that for some, a certain passage may be much more significant than another passage, and that's just the way your Holy Spirit works. So, Father, I pray that each of us hear what we need to hear this day. Holy Spirit, do what you desire to do in each of our hearts and lives this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? I think I am. All right. Okay, so as a children's pastor, I'm going to involve the kids throughout my points. So kids, be listening because you'll need to yell out answers, okay? Okay, awesome. So um, our first point for the evening, for the evening, the morning, is trust God completely. Stay calm and confide in him. Kids, what does the word trust mean? You have to yell loudly because all of you are in the back row. What does trust mean? Anybody know what trust means? All right. So if I were to sit on a chair, do I trust the chair to hold me? Yay, nay. Adults, you can help the kids. Yeah? Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) I know. Um, So we trust the chair to hold us. We trust that God is going to take care of us. Um, Whatever challenges you face in the next year, please remember 
that God is not surprised by any of it. Trust him and decide to respond, not react. When we react, we throw all logic and calm out the window. Then we ride the roller coaster of emotions through every up and down, twist and turn. And when we react, words like panic, freak out, blow up, and hopelessness come to mind. We are not sure if we will ever get out of it. When we respond, we pause at the start of the problem, and it, it helps us to think through each situation and give our problems to God. When we, we respond, we say to God, God, this is yours. What do you want me to do? It gives us a moment to just take a deep breath and allow him to um, work out the problem with us. And uh, so one thing that I really like is this uh, point says that we not only need to stay calm, but we need to confide in him. And I think of a man in the Bible who was really good at confiding in God. This guy, he gets a bad rap, but he's actually really great. I'm always impressed with the way that he confides in God. This is Gideon. You see, um, confiding in God is to engage with him through the ups and downs in life, to let him know where you are in all seasons. So Gideon was a judge of Israel who did not allow his fear to stop him from doing God's will. We find his story in Judges chapter 6 with him sitting under the tree at Ophrah. One time I said Oprah, and no one, like, corrected me, so I was, like, talking about Oprah the whole time. It's Ophrah. So an angel of the Lord shows up and tells him he is going to lead the Israelites to victory. The conversation continues with God or with Gideon questioning God, who if God is even with the people of Israel. He goes on to put God through a series of tests to see if it all is legit. If you remember, there's a fleece involved. There's another time. He's just like questioning it all because Gideon not only is he questioning everything, he's like, God, I haven't seen you move in years. You haven't done anything. How can I trust you? I am like the least important of the least important family of Israel. Why would you use me to do that? He continues to engage with God and not let his presuppositions get in the way until he is content with God's plan. People tend to give Gideon a bad rap for his um, weak faith, but honestly, he did more than I ever do. A lot of times when I'm afraid and I don't agree with what God's planning for my life, I freeze, I panic, and I walk away, and I decide that what God has in mind for me is not right because I can't do that, I can't work through that, whatever it is. And Gideon instead He continued to work with God and engage with God and say, God, where are you taking me? What do you want me to do? So this next year, I just want us to all remember that whatever situation we find ourselves in, we need to trust God completely. We need to stay calm, don't freak out, and we need to confide in him. Your turn. All right. We haven't really figured out the stand thing, did we? I'll move over. I think we can do this, except you've got a prop up here. I'll let you take that, though. Um, So trust God. That's obviously fairly significant. Second thing we can do, I think, that will help us uh, in our ability to receive and encounter God's blessings is do good. Be actively engaged in serving others. Um, Erica, can you put verse 3 back up from the original verses? I want to point something out there. So, trust in the Lord and do good. Notice that those two ideas are in the same sentence. It wasn't trust in the Lord, period. Do good, period. 
It was trust in the Lord and do good. They're, they're connected. They're, the idea is that the two of them, you can't do one without the other. And here's my thought on that. My, it's the idea that you can't do good to others if you don't trust, if you don't have this ability to trust them. Let me explain it this way, and I'll borrow um, the idea from Kate. I'll make a kid's uh, analogy here um, for all of us. So let's just say you have a brother or sister who's playing with your toys and do, getting in your stuff when they didn't have your permission and they break it, okay? What does that do towards how you treat your stuff moving forward? I don't know about you, but I had a brother that was constantly getting in my stuff. So if I had stuff that I didn't want him to get into, I would hide it. You know, so that he couldn't find it. And I'd put it. And so I was behaving in a way that really wasn't all that positive, but in my mind it was self preservation, or at least preserving my stuff, uh, my toys and things. But think about that. When we don't trust that someone is going to behave correctly, we, we don't do good towards them. We actually begin to do behaviors that actually can exacerbate the problem instead of just talking about it. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes a person's behavior is they're not trustworthy. It, my brother didn't earn my... I mean, you have to earn someone's trust. And so the fact that he had done those things, I, for me just to say, hey, you know, have at it, you know, whatever you want, take it, then I'm going to be losing all my stuff because he would. He would take it and play with it and break it, and I didn't want that. Trust has to be earned, and if someone breaks your trust, it takes time to build that back up, okay? So that's true. So what's he talking about here? So when he says, trust in the Lord and do good, what's he actually trying to say? In my mind, what he's saying is that don't live your life in fear, when we uh, bought, we, most of you know, we just bought a house in Mooresville, but six, seven years ago, wow, time's flying. Uh, when we first moved down here from Connecticut, we, we bought a house in Huntersville. And the seller of that house was the most interesting person I've ever met in my life. Um, Betsy thought he was evil. I just thought he was interesting. Here's the thing. He just, you know how that when you're looking at a house, the, the seller's supposed to leave. They're not supposed to be there. He never left. Never left. Even the final walkthrough when the house is empty, he, let, he would lock the door and wouldn't let us in unless he was there to let us in. It was so bad that, you know how usually at closing they give you the keys? Technically, the house isn't yours yet. It has to be recorded. And once it's recorded, then the deal's done. Our closing was on Thursday, but because it was end of day, it wasn't going to be recorded until Friday. He would not release the keys until he got a receipt from the attorney saying that the things had been recorded. His issue was he didn't trust anybody. He lived, his life was such, uh, it was so, I don't know, I don't know, his, ironically his wife was the sweetest thing you ever would meet, but he was just a pickle. He just, <laughs> did, well, he wouldn't trust anyone, he wouldn't, everything he lived his life, the really way he lived his life was just one of distrust. And, in fear, and I just, what a terrible way to go through life. That's what he's talking about here. Trust that God is, not that you have to be, you know, arbitrarily, you know, that you don't lock your doors at night. And not, he's not saying be foolish, but don't live your life in fear, is what he's trying to say. Don't be so afraid of the future economy that it causes you not to be a generous person. Don't be so afraid of what others might think of you that you shut yourself off from other people. 
Don't be so afraid of the unknown that it keeps you from new life-giving experiences. And don't be so consumed with your own life that you deny yourself the privilege of serving others. As Kate just shared, trust that God has your best interests in mind. He's got you. And because God is trustworthy, we are free to give ourselves away to doing good to others. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture is what he's telling us. In verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So our point is, find your delight in God, seek him only for your happiness. So I have a pair of sunglasses up here. They're ridiculous and big and so fun. So kids, I have a question for you. You've got to answer it this time. Um, what are the uses of sunglasses? Why do we have sunglasses? Um, my teenage kids, you also can answer this, okay? To keep the sun out of your eyes, correct. So when you put sunglasses on, does life look a little different? Yeah. So my, um, both my father and my brother have uh, motorcycles, and so they have motorcycle sunglasses so that they can wear them at night. And it is, I love, have you, has anybody seen these glasses that you can wear at night? They're the coolest things. They, they're like yellow tinted, and it makes everything like so sharp and beautiful. I just want to wear them every day because I think it just makes things look great. But um, I say all that to say is that we need to shift our perspective a little bit. And this idea of finding delight in God and the Lord and that he will give you the desires of your heart, that we should be looking towards him for happiness. Just as the sunglasses help us see the world differently, when we take delight in God, we see um, it helps us to see the world differently as well. When we pray, when we read the Bible, when we give God our daily life, he tends to give us a pair of sunglasses to wear to help us to see the world the way that he sees it. This makes it so that even when we face the hardest things, he helps us to be okay with it. To know that what we are going through he will not make or break us because God is in charge and our happiness comes from him. When we have a God perspective on life, things seem a little bit differently. So I know every single one of you has a goal this year to pay cash for a 2019 Tesla. I also want you all to know that for most of you, it's probably not realistic. When this doesn't happen, I want you guys to remember that as a Christ follower, we have the opportunity to, to, to take delight in something that lasts forever and never fails us. That when our hope in money fails and when our hope in people fail, which I'm sure one or both will happen to each and every single one of us next year, we need to shift our focus away from those material things and towards a God who loves and he cares for us. When we choose what we delight in, the problems we face will no longer have the same power to make or break us. Now, I do not have like a happy or easy formula on how to make this work out. But when we're first starting to focus on God, it's a decision every single day to focus and to put our eyes on God, to, to decide in that moment, that day, to read our Bibles or to pray or whatever your goal is for this next year. And that when we fail that day, it's okay. 
God is going to give us grace. We all know about grace because we're grace covenant, right? So we all know that God gives us grace each time that we fail and that next day is a new day. And we can, again, choose that next day to follow God. And when we choose every single day to put our focus on him, to read our Bible, to pray, whatever it is to get you closer to God, that's it's going to be easier the next day, and it's going to be easier the next day and the next day after that because um, it's like a muscle we're working. And so let's just decide this next year to work that muscle. The fourth thing we can do is to commit your daily plans to him. Allow God to order your days. Um, what this is not saying is that God's not going to pick your clothes out for you in the morning. You know, I mean, so it's not so much regiment, you know, do I wear the blue shirt or the green dress? You know, it, it, we're not talking about that kind of control. Uh, I just think that's, although clearly the, that's not what the Bible's talking about here. So when it says commit your way to the Lord, what does that mean? What is he talking about? For me, it means being intentional about living your life in a way that gives priority to God and to the things of God. So to commit your way to the Lord, let me say that again, is to be intentional about living your life in a way that gives priority to God and to the things of God. It means using wisdom when you're making decisions. It means showing courage to do the things that you need to do. It means having grace to treat others well. It means demonstrating an ability to recognize divine interruptions. We get locked into our plans and schedules And too often we miss what God wants to do. You know, the story of the prodigal, I'm sorry, the Good Samaritan. Um, And and you have the the individual who's robbed and he's laying on the side of the road and the other people who walk around them. For what it was is they didn't want to be interrupted. When you boil it down to it, they just don't want to be bothered. They were, some of them, they may have just not been thinking or they're just whatever, but they're so preoccupied in their own world, their own life, their own way of doing things, they didn't want to be bothered by that. I've discovered most of God's greatest moments and experiences are disguised. They're disguised as inconveniences, as interruptions, as problems, and and it's most of the time we just, we just don't want to do with it. If I just ignore it, it'll go away kind of an approach. And yet those are the moments that God so often wants to do something in our life. Um, so how do we respond to that? Or how do we deal with that? Um, I have what I call, I call them paste prayers. And actually in your worship guide is a little piece of paper that it's, they're little prayers that periodically I'll write out for myself and I'll tape them to my bathroom mirror. And so I'm reading it and praying it while I'm brushing my teeth. Thus, the uh, term paste prayer is what it is. <laughs> Simply, it's this, this, you know, so it's, it's really, it's a brief thing. But for me, what it does, it just sets my mind for how I want the day to move forward. Dear Lord, my desire is to serve you to the best of my abilities today. May all of my words and actions honor you, and may I treat everyone I meet with grace and dignity. Help me to be aware of any divine interruptions you might bring my way. Amen. But you just start your day with something simple that says, God, I want to honor you. I want to commit my ways to you this day. What's interesting, there's more to verse 5 than just committing your way to the Lord. It also says, trust him and he will do this. Well, what is this? Well, he goes on to actually tell us what this is. 
He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So living your life in a way that honors God comes with benefits. Shine like the dawn, the noonday sun. What's he saying here? Now remember, Psalm, this whole book, it's a book of poetry. So this is a poem. Um, In fact, this whole chapter um, that we're reading is an acrostic. In in Hebrew, every section starts with uh, the Hebrew letter. So it's an alphabetical order, and each section starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So in this context, what is he saying here? What the author is telling us is that you're going to have trouble in life. It's going to come. It's inevitable. The life is, has trouble, but it won't last forever. You will encounter dark nights, but the dawn is coming. You will encounter dark days, but like the, after the morning rains, the clouds will burn away and the noonday sun will emerge. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will see you through the hard times. So how can you commit your ways to the Lord? Betsy mentioned a couple things early on. We've got the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Take a look at the guide that's out there. Go to the website. You can download some other materials. Just make a decision. I'm going to participate. And just whatever it looks like for you, but you're going to engage that some way. Maybe it's joining a group, getting involved. But there's some intentionality about committing your way to the Lord and making him a priority in your life. So the next point is, um, be still, is found in verse 7. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Our point is, be silent and rest in God. Eliminate distractions that drown out his voice. I'm not sure about you, but this one is super duper hard for me. I tend to run at 120 miles per hour every single day. But rarely I am in still. So do you remember that snow day we had a few weeks ago where kids were out of school for like three days and we were out of work? Yeah, so um, my roommate is in college still, and she was working on class. So I had no one to talk to for two and a half days, and it was like the worst thing ever. I uh, left my apartment, and I walked around outside. They hadn't even done anything to the streets, and I just like wandered for like an hour. It was so cold, and I wanted to go shovel. I'm from Iowa, so like shoveling for me is sometimes fun. It brings back memories, but so I wanted to shovel. I wanted to do something with my time because being cooped up in my apartment it was horrible. I just sat there and stared at the wall for a few hours. I like colored all of the adult coloring pictures I owned. I watched like eight movies and you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit, but it was still really, really hard for me to sit. Even the second day when it was a little bit safer for everybody to go out, I still stayed inside because what I knew is because I am so used to running so fast and because that's just what I do, I needed that time. I needed that time to uh, focus myself on who God is and what he has for me. I needed that time to just sit still and be silent and not do something. So um, has anybody ever been put in timeout or grounded? Notice, oh, (laughs) Scott, Scott, do you get put in timeout as an adult too? I believe it. (laughs) So notice I didn't say kids because you guys have been failing me. 
I said I left it open. So um, do you think that that's done um, for your own good, or is it because your parents hate you that that happens? Scott, she hates you. <laughs> Susie. <laughs> So we all know that it's for our own good, right? The reason that we're punished is because we need to learn something so we don't do it again. Or, and we know that there's a consequence. And we have those consequences today, too, as adults. We have consequences. They're natural consequences. But if you run at 120 miles per hour, you're eventually going to run out of gas, right? And so this is very important because it's reminding us that we need to be silent. We need to rest in God. We need to eliminate the distractions that drown out his voice. So this next year, we need to take that intentional pause. Build them into your schedule. Remind yourself um, daily. Remind yourself weekly, monthly, whatever it is, to rest, to be silent, to be still. Eliminate those distractions. So life is super-duper loud. Um, Kids are screaming constantly, right, for those of you with kids. Um, And even if you don't have kids, those of you who just daily life can be really crazy. So when we're intentional, what this does is it it just refocuses us. It just it helps us to move back to what God has for us, and so that the other points that we've mentioned can fall into place when we rest. So um, I challenge you to start with five minutes. Start with for three months or something like that. If you start and you do that, God is uh, going to change your life. I always think about this uh, phrase that someone told me once. Am I doing what I'm doing right now? Is that going to help me become the person that I want to be tomorrow? And I promise you that if you start out small and you start resting now with five minutes or whatever it is for you for a few months, it's going to change everything. It's going to completely rock your world. So, lastly, number six <clears throat> refrain from anger when things don't go as you planned. Unattended anger is a destructive force. When I was in the fourth grade, I had to go into the hospital to have my tonsils removed. Um, this was Easter weekend. I went into the hospital and my tonsils removed on Good Friday. Um, and so was, it, was, it was a rough, rough time to say the least. You've had your tonsils out. Um, but here's the thing. I knew that I had waiting for me when I got home and when I would be able to, to eat again. I had this chocolate Easter bunny. It was about this big. It's one of those kinds that actually would stand up, you know. So it was one of those kind, and so I was I was really excited to really come home and have my chocolate Easter bunny. Um, I got home from the hospital. I think I actually later got checked out Easter Sunday. That was back in the day when they actually held you in the hospital for a day or two um, after procedures. Uh, and so I think it was sun, Easter Sunday. They let us out. I go home, and on my dresser was part of my Easter bunny. <laughs> Actually, the only thing there was the feet, the feet. My brother had, that I talked about before, my brother had eaten the whole Easter bunny over two days, except for the feet. Now, why he didn't, you know, in my mind, it's like, get rid of the feet because you got evidence here, you know, and, uh, but he left the feet. And so, I mean, I am really angry, number one, but here's the thing. He didn't get punished for that. I don't know if my parents are just preoccupied with other stuff, but so not only am I angry with my brother for doing this, I'm angry with my parents because 
My brother got away with it. He ate my bunny and nothing happened to him. And that just wasn't right. It was so, so unfair that that happened. Um, it's that kind of a situation that the author and psalm is talking about. So we've, we've been reading these passages. He says, all right, you know, trust in the Lord and do good. Take the light in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And then he comes in and says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. I mean, such a contrast, you know, to what he had been saying before. But what he's talking about is anger towards God. He's not talking about you just somebody who's just cranky because they didn't get enough sleep the night before. He's talking about somebody who feels like life hasn't treated them right. Life hasn't treated them fairly, and they're angry at God for that. And what the writer is telling us, he's acknowledging the fact that the world we live in isn't fair. Bad things happen to good people, and it seems that ungodly people never get what's actually what they should become, what should be coming to them. And what the writer is telling us, he's saying, be patient. The evil people will get what's coming to them in due time. And those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Now that's a reference, that inherit the land is a reference to the Israelites. Remember, their, their, their whole generation, their whole culture, based upon a promise that God gave to Abraham centuries earlier about his descendants occupying this promised land. And it took a while for them to actually get to that point, but they did it. And it was, a, it was the fulfillment of that promise that the writer of Psalm is pointing to, that God did it. And you will realize that as well in your own life. So there you have it. Six things you can do to increase God's blessing and favor in your life in 2009. 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you missed it. At, uh, 2009. We're all already over. So, Here's some questions for you to consider and think about. Which of the six that we've discussed, which of these do you find most challenging? We already know that for Kate, it's sitting still. She's already confessed that. But maybe it's one of the other points for you, something that you find very challenging. What of these will you do in 2019 to address and move beyond the challenges? So what will you do to get over that and to be able to improve in that particular area of your life who or what can you do to partner with someone who can help you throughout this in your life and then lastly is the hard question when will you actually start when will you actually make a decision to start we, we think and we plan and say yeah, that's a good idea sometime but we really don't say here it is human nature is to think i'll start tomorrow next week it'll be more convenient than if your future self could encourage you now, the response would be, it starts today. So my challenge to you would be similarly, start today. Diligently apply these verses and see what God will do for you in the year ahead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the passage that we see in this psalm and the writer there who was encouraging uh, his readers about life and how to live life that would be in agreement with what God wanted for them and how they could receive the blessings that God so much wanted to give them. Lord, as we would consider some of these in our own life, I pray, Father, that we would be able to make application as well. Father, that as we move into this new year, we would establish better habits 
um, that we would maybe stop doing some things we shouldn't be doing. Uh, And so, Father, I just pray for wisdom as well. But, Lord, my prayer is that you would guide each of us and that our hearts and our intent would be to follow you with every fiber of our being. Father, with our words, with our deeds, that our lives would honor you. And so, Father, with that in mind, uh, we, we, we thank you for the year that's behind, that's, that we're finishing. Father, for as even as it might have been painful for some, in the midst of it, Lord God, I'm still confident that they found you. And Father, those encounters are so invaluable. So, Lord, as we look ahead to a new year, we just ask for your blessing and favor, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.